invite you to turn with me tonight to the book of number or the book of numbers that just sounds strange to say it came out of my mouth it's right but it just sounded strange turn with me to the book of numbers chapter 17 numbers 17 and i'm just going to read verse 8 i'm just going to start by reading verse 8 i'm going to read more of that but I just want to start with verse 8, which reads, On the next day, Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. Now, if that's all I read, if that's the only part of the scripture I read, I would have a couple of questions for you. One, why? Do, do you know the reason why? Do you know why that happened? Secondly, do you understand the meaning behind that event? Do you understand the context in which that is given? And maybe you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I kind of remember that. I, I think I remember that from Sunday school, or I, I'm sure I've read this before, and I'm, I'm sure we've come across it before, but, but I'm kind of blanking out about the questions you ask. I, 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 in fact, Maybe some of you are going, I didn't even know that verse was in the Bible. I didn't even know about that event. Maybe I missed Sunday school the day they handed out that paper. Because I think I would have remembered that picture. I do. I still remember the picture of this from Sunday school. That was there. But you see, that's one of the reasons why sometimes these, I, I guess I would say these perhaps... What, what seemed to be kind of strange sermon series, like trees of the Bible, help us to do. They help us to get back into portions of God's Word that perhaps normally we would have paid no attention to. Or we would have just disregarded. Or we just would have looked past and, and not paid much attention to. So it helps us to dig in. But when we really dig in, and we just don't look at, as it were, the story, but when we look at what is really going on here, I would hope and pray that you and I would find great comfort and great peace in the midst of this particular passage. So let's go back to chapter 17, and let's re start reading at verse 1, and put this in a little larger context. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the people of Israel and get from them staffs, one for each father's house, from all their chiefs according to their father's houses, twelve staffs. Write each man's name on his staff. 
and write Aaron's name on the staff of Levi. For there shall be one staff for the head of each father's house. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and all their chiefs gave him staffs, one for each chief, according to their father's houses, twelve staffs. And the staff of Aaron was among their staffs, and Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. On the next day, Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to all the people of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels, that you may make an end of their grumblings against me, lest they die. Thus, Moses, thus did Moses, as the Lord commanded him. So he did. And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish, we are undone, we are all undone. Everyone who comes, everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Are we all to perish? Let's far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Shall we pray? Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we are always amazed when we open your word, for it is always fresh and it is always new. And we just praise you, Father, uh, for the uh, effort that has gone into preparation for this evening's sermon. We just pray that you be with Pastor Bob and give him everything that he stands in need of. And Father, we pray that we would see Jesus and we would see a Savior, uh, Father, that we can approach and uh, a Savior that... Uh, is our mediator, and we just thank you and praise you for this. All this in the precious name of our Savior alone we pray, amen. And amen. So we want to look at three things, the context of rebellion, secondly, the collection of staffs, thirdly, the clear selection, the clear selection. First of all, the context of rebellion. Ever since Numbers chapter 13, see we're in Numbers 17, ever since Numbers chapter 13, there is repeated over and over and over and over again the fact that the people of Israel are in rebellion, not only against Moses and Aaron, but actually against God. The first is in the events of the report of the spies back in Numbers 13, 14. The story you know well, I've repeated it often here on uh, anniversary Lord's Days where we look back at the story of the giants and grasshoppers that, that we have there. But it's really an account of rebellion. The people don't believe. They don't believe God can do it. They don't believe Moses can lead them into the promised land. The problems are too great. They are in rebellion. God, rightfully so, is angry. And he desires to 
to wipe them out. And Moses, once again, pleads, is that intermediary, is that mediator who steps in. There's another rebellion. It occurs in the 15th chapter. And maybe oftentimes we pass this one by as well. So let's pause there. Numbers chapter 15. It's a man who is a Sabbath breaker. The account is that he's out picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. He's violating the ordinances of the Sabbath. Verse 32, while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation. He's in outright rebellion. Right? We just had a story of rebellion. Numbers 13 and 14. Now this guy blatantly goes out and violates the Sabbath. He has a specific command. And he violates it. Verse 34. They put him in custody because it had not been clear what should be done to him. And the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. And all the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones as the Lord had commanded. A man in rebellion. But then we come to chapter 16. Chapter 16 is another account of a rebellion. It's the rebellion of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram that seems to boil down to the rebellion of Korah. These men are, at least Korah, is a Levite. And he wants a bigger piece of the action. He is unhappy, and those who gather with him are unhappy that Moses and Aaron have so much to say. In particular, it's Aaron. They're really venting at Aaron. Verse 13, or verse 3 of Numbers 16. They assembled Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, along with, you'll note in verse 2, 250 chiefs of the congregation. Remember that word, chiefs of the congregation. Well-known men. They assembled themselves together, verse 3, against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, you've gone too far. Now, some commentators will tell you they think the gone too far is in regards to the execution of the Sabbath breaker. You've gone too far. What gives you the right? Well, we read the reason, right? The Lord told them. It wasn't Moses who came up with the idea of executing. In fact, we read they weren't quite sure what to do with the Sabbath breaker. And so the Lord instructs him. So notice what's happening. Korah is stepping forward along with these other 250 chiefs. You've gone too far. Now some commentators think it, it belongs in that realm. Others believe it has more to do with the work of Aaron as the priest. And the selection of Aaron as the priest. They assemble themselves. You've gone too far for in all the congregation. For all in the congregation are holy. See, they're saying, look, Aaron wears those special clothes. Aaron has this special job as high priest. Aaron gets to go into the holy of holies. Wait a minute. We don't like that. We think 
We're all holy, so we all should have the opportunity to do so. How does God respond? He says, get away from these guys. Get away. What happens? The earth opens up and swallows those who have aligned themselves with Korah. That's a pretty momentous event, isn't it? Right? Standing there one day and you watch the earth just open up and swallow. Not everybody. This isn't some sort of general execution. It's specific execution. Those who had aligned themselves have sided are standing with Korah. What about the 250? Okay. Well, when we come to the end of the chapter, it's rather interesting. Okay. They've shown up, okay, uh, as God commanded, with their censers. The censer was, the, was, was sort of the, the thing of saying, well, you know, Aaron, he's got his censer as the high priest. Well, we got our own in our tent. Isn't it good enough we just use our own censer? Why do we got to use the holy censer? Why does Aaron get to use that? So God calls him and says, show up with your censer. Verse 31, we put them together. As soon as he had finished speaking these words, the ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. So they, and all that belonged to them, went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished in the midst of the assembly. And all Israel, who was around them, fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering the incense on their censer. Isn't that interesting? You think you get the right to offer holy fire? The Lord rains down fire upon them, 250 men incinerated. That's the context of rebellion. That's what brings us, you see, to chapter 17. That's what brings us to a staff that buds and blossoms and has almonds. Those rebellions, those continually, you don't have the right. You don't have the authority. Who made you? Who put you in charge? Why only one? Why so selective? Aren't we all capable? Aren't we all holy? So it brings us a little bit closer, doesn't it, to verse 8. But there's something else. If we're going to explain verse 8, we have to look at verses 1 through 7. What happens there? There's a collection of staffs. Ordered by God. It's God's command. It isn't Moses who says, okay, we're going to be done with this. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to have a little contest. No, it's God. God orders them. says, I want every one of you who is the chief, note the word, of a tribe. You're the head of the tribe. You bring your staff. It's going to have your name on it as far as Judah. But it's also going to have your individual name. Your specific name. On the one that is for Levi, Aaron, you write your name. We'll take the 12 staffs. Each with their individual name recorded on it. And what do we do with it? 
verse 4. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony. You realize what they just did? Moses takes those 12 staff and he brings them before the testimony. That's the Ark of the Covenant. So if we were there at that moment, we'd see this pile of staffs laying there before the Ark of the Covenant. Just, Just put them there. Just place them there. Just lay them there. This collection of staffs. What did God say he was going to do? One of them will sprout. That's the one I'm going to choose. We're going to make this clear. I'm going to make this obvious. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it once. Enough of this rebellion. Enough of this grumbling. So what do we have? Verse 8 gives us that third point. Now I'm up to the third point of the message already. The clear selection. On the next day, Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted, had put forth buds, and produced almond blossoms, had produced almond blossoms, And it bore ripe almonds. So we see its appearance. It obviously is distinctively different. There is a clear selection. There are 12 just sticks sitting there. The next day, there are 11 sticks sitting there. But the 12th, the one with the name of Aaron on it. Is budded, is blossomed, flowered, and in fact, there are ripe almonds hanging from this stick. So let's think about the miracle that took place. How would you describe what happened? That which is dead has become alive. All it was was a dead stick. It's a staff. It's the staff of Aaron. He's had it all the way since Egypt. It's just a dead piece of wood. That's all it is. But it isn't anymore. That next day, the miracle is that which was dead. Is now living. It's alive. Moses didn't do anything. Moses didn't say anything. Moses didn't raise his hands over that stick. Moses didn't touch that stick with his staff like he did the water of the Red Sea. It's all God. A miracle. It defies the natural course of things. Dead staffs don't blossom, bud, and produce almonds overnight. 
say, Pastor Bob, I don't think dead sticks do it at all, much less overnight. You got it. It's a dead stick. But now it's alive. That which is dead is now living. But there is the second miracle. Do you see it? Do you know that for an almond tree to produce almonds, it takes one full year? An almond tree has to go through a season of colder weather in order for the bud to be formed. From the time of the bud being formed to the time that you actually get almonds is about a year. The bud comes in about November. You're picking in October. That which happened overnight was actually a whole year's worth of growth and event. And God did it. It's miraculous. It's a miracle. It's like old wine being made in the moment, in an instant. It's like mature trees being created when he says, bring forth vegetation. It's like old rocks when God says, bring forth dry land. Why is it so hard for man to understand that God in an instant can create that which has age? This event, he takes that which is dead and makes that which is alive. But he also takes that which should have taken a year, he does overnight. The two miracles, because note, they're all there. It's not just that it's hanging almonds. Listen to the description again. The staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted, had put forth buds, and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. Now, how do they know that there were flowers? How do they know there were buds? Because they're all there. The bud, the flower, and the almond all at one time, which is not what happens. It either has buds, or it has flowers, or it has almonds. But that which God produced, that which this staff produced, has all three. The miracle of a budded, dead piece of wood, the miracle of a flowering piece of wood, the miracle of a fruit-producing piece of dead wood. God does. God does. 
And what does it mean? God tells us very plainly. Verse 4 and 5. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout purpose. Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. The purpose was so that they would recognize the leadership, the role, the priesthood, and the right to that priesthood of Aaron. Verse 10, And the Lord said to Moses, Put the staff of Aaron before the testimony to keep as a sign for the rebels that you may make an end of their grumblings against me, lest they die. What was the point? God wants to spare them. God does not want them to die. But he needs them to recognize the role, the duty, the responsibility that God has given to one man. Aaron, and they need to submit to the rule, the right, the work of Aaron. Look at what the next chapter is. Look at it in context. I've chosen, I've told you now, I've confirmed it, so what's the next thing? The duties of priests and Levites. What does this man that I have selected, what does he get to do? He gets to be my priest. He gets to be the mediator. He gets to be the go-between. Now, do you see the bigger picture here? You say, well, I'm assuming, Pastor Bob, you're going to take us to Jesus. Well, that's always a good place for a minister to take you, Right? But how do we get from here to Jesus? How, how do we get from Aaron's budded staff with ripe almonds being selected by God to Jesus? How do we get to that transition? Well, take your Bible, okay? We're going to start in Isaiah chapter 11. I'm going to start in Isaiah chapter 11. Now, listen to this verse in light of chapter 17, verse 8. Aaron's budded staff. Isaiah 11, 1. Then shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Out of an old dead piece of wood, a stump. Okay? That's what a stump is. We, our, our cottage is up near Trufant. Trufant is the stump capital of the world. Okay? What a notoriety. Right? Bunch of dead logs in people's yards. That's what it's known for. Okay? And they're pretty dead. 
right? Out of the stump shall come forth a branch that shall bear fruit. If we go back to Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2, Isaiah has mentioned this idea of a branch before, and in chapter 4, verse 2, We read the following, in that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. The branch of the Lord glorified. Branch that comes from the root of Jesse. Now we could go to Jeremiah, there are a couple of passages in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 23, 5 and 6 if you're taking notes, Jeremiah 33 verses 15 through 17, there's two passages in the book of Zechariah that mention the branch of the Lord, but I'm going to take you to another one, I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. Verse 78, this is Zechariah's prophecy. The ESV doesn't bring this out as clearly, but I'll get there, okay? So he's prophesying about the coming of Jesus Christ. We have no doubt about that. We've been through Zechariah's prophecy before. So we come to verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Some of you who don't have an ESV have a different word there other than sunrise. You have the word day spring. The Greek word that is used there is the word anatole. The word anatole means or conveys with it two meanings. You got to catch this. It has two meanings. The one meaning is that it is something that rises, something that lifts up. Okay? Therefore, you have the word day spring, or you have the word perhaps day star. Or, as the ESV translated it, sunrise. That which lifts up or is lifted up. But the Greek word also means something else. It has another meaning. If we looked up this word in the Greek Septuagint, guess where we find it? In every single passage where the word branch is mentioned. It's the same word. The Lord will lift up the branch. And the branch is that which will give life. Yes, the Lord lifts up. The Lord raises up. What does the Lord raise up? 
the branch. See, think of the context. You have a people in rebellion. But God, through that staff of Aaron, selects one to be the priest. To offer the sacrifices for the people in their sin. God provided a mediator by name, Aaron. What has God done? What's the picture here of number 17? The picture is of Christ. The branch that comes up out of the stump. The branch that rises. The branch that gives life. The branch that gives light in the midst of the darkness. The branch that is going to be the light of the world. The branch that is going to produce fruit. The branch that is not only going to be priest, but is going to be prophet and is going to be king. The branch that we are going to be told in Acts chapter 4 has a name. One name. For there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved than the name of Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. name written because he 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 and he alone has been appointed has been selected by God to be the means of salvation there is no other name you can be saved by no one else other than the brain the branch whose name is Jesus. But here comes even the more remarkable thing. The branch, Isaiah said, was going to bear fruit. Not almonds, but you and I. I am the vine. You are the branches. Go and bear much fruit. Anybody who is in me, Jesus said, will bear fruit. Go back with me. Go back with me to number 17, verse 8. See those almonds? It's you and me. We're bearing fruit. We're the fruit so that we bear fruit. This is God's amazing testimony 
in that selection of Aaron's staff. He's pointing us. He's saying, look ahead. Look ahead to Christ. And just assuredly, as I can take that which is dead and make alive, so I can take you dead in your trespasses and in your sin. And I make you alive. Dr. Tim in the class this morning was in that beautiful passage of Acts chapter 17 where we read of Lydia and the Lord opened her heart. The Lord took a dead piece of wood and made it alive in That's what he's done for you and I. Dead pieces of wood. Alive. In the vine. The living one. The chosen one. The name above all names. Jesus Christ. That is our claim. That is our hope. That is our assurance. And praise God, that is our conviction. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you again for your word, for its reminder in this dead piece of an almond tree, of a testimony of your truth in and through Jesus Christ. In his name, God's people say, Amen.